You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by the Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, founder of the Attorney Search Group and producer of the Partner Podcast, welcoming you to our inaugural episode. It's my goal to give you, a partner-level attorney, information every month that you look forward to receiving. How did I get this idea? Well, as a legal recruiter, I spend all day talking to partners about issues related to their careers. Now, most people I talk to are happy where they are, but I still glean insights into those issues that are facing them every day. I really believe this, that you are in probably one of the most demanding and pressure-packed careers that anybody could choose. Think about all those issues that face you, from client development, rainmaking, writing and speaking and sales, to serving your clients, to managing your time effectively, to prioritizing, to balancing all the competing time demands that you have on you, not to mention your health and wellness, your family, and your personal life balance. All those things are issues that you need to manage and think about all the time. And that's the goal of this podcast, is to bring experts in all those areas to you every single month in the form of a free podcast. You can either subscribe to iTunes or on my website, and your info is not going to be shared with anybody. And don't worry, I'm not going to reach out to you about opportunities. All I'll do is let you know when a new blog post or new podcast is up on my site, and that's it. I promise. So your information is safe. I'm also very open to ideas and suggestions of experts that you think would be good interview candidates for this program. Anything related to issues that you face every day would be pertinent and relevant. I'd love to hear about that. You can either call me or email me. My info is on the site. Email is scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. Now, in today's episode, we're going to hear from two people that you probably know of already, or at least you've heard of, but you might not know that. One of them is Ed Wiesman. He's a management consultant and an expert on law firm marketing and management who gets involved in consulting to law firms all over the United States and the world and even getting involved in law firm mergers. He's going to share some insights with what are those main issues that law firm leaders are facing right now in today's competitive market. After we hear from Ed, we're going to hear from my good friend David Latt. Now, you might not recognize David's name, but I bet you've been to his website. It's AboveTheLaw.com. You know that website. Check it out if you haven't been there before. I'm sure that you have, and you know what it's all about. It has some interesting stories. It has a lot of gossip, and it's kind of the social commentary of the legal profession. Uh, We're going to hear from David on his interesting journey that he got into blogging and how he came to create AboveTheLaw.com, which is one of my favorite reads. And now let's listen to my interview with Ed Wiesman on law firm leadership and law firm management. With me on the line, Ed Wiesman, who is a management consultant and has specialized in helping the legal industry improve over the last 12 years. He's a partner with Edge International, which a lot of the listeners in this podcast know is one of the leading uh, management consultancies specializing in the legal profession. Ed has written four different books within that topic area and has improved the performance of law firms all over the world by consulting and advising on all different aspects. So, Ed, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for calling me. Now, let me ask you this. I know that you have done all different types of work for law firms, and what would be the top area that you provided the most value in terms of your expertise as a consultant and an advisor to law firms? 
Well, most of what we do involves strategy in some way, shape, or form. It's, uh, it involves where the firm is going, what objectives it's trying to reach, and how they can go from point A to point B. And then everything else sort of trickles out of that. Right now, a huge portion of my time and our whole firm's time is spent on two things. Uh, one is, uh, is mergers. Uh, the legal industry is, in fact, consolidating. Uh, and the second uh, is LPM, Law, law Pract uh, Practice Management, which is basically the, uh, the, the process of, uh, of, of how services are delivered to clients and ways of making that more cost-effective uh, so the law firms are more profitable, and at the same time, they're more cost-effective for the, the, the clients. That's great. Now, you know, what I do as a headhunter, a recruiter that specializes in partner-level recruiting, my job is to recruit those partners that want to move, and sometimes the ones that don't even think about moving until I call them. And whenever they make that move from firm A to firm B, a lot of times it's for reasons of leadership. You know, what have you seen with respect to why partners leave law firms whenever there's bad leadership involved? What are some of the stories that, uh, that you might share with the listeners about uh, what causes partners to leave those law firms? Well, it's interesting. We did, we did a study uh, uh, for a client, uh, and we looked at the reason why uh, uh, clients, why uh, uh, lawyers, partners leave law firms. Uh, and it was primarily designed so they could be more effective in, in attracting uh, uh, laterals to their firm. And we found there were based, there are five top reasons, and not particularly in order. Um, uh, uh, one of them was, was leadership, and I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, but there were issues of platform, the fact that the, uh, the partners weren't getting the marketing support they wanted or, or they're not getting the, the associate uh, support. Uh, sometimes they didn't have, uh, the firm didn't have offices and locations that they, uh, they needed to be in. Uh, very often that was either Washington, D.C. Or, or, or New York or London. Um, there was a failure to, to, for the firm to part with their associates, and they feared that they'd lose the associates. There were obviously conflicts, uh, actual subject matter and, and, and competitive. And then there were relationships, and an amazing number of times involved relationships either of, of, uh, of a marital, uh, they, they ended up marrying someone within the firm and felt that uh, one of them ought to leave. Um, there were failed uh, relationships, uh, uh, and it was uncomfortable to be in a situation, uh, or issues of nepotism. number of times we, we met with, uh, uh, with partners who left because they wanted to practice law with one of their children. But one of the top reasons was indeed leadership, and it kind of falls into four areas. Uh, it, the most common was a, a belief that the firm was going in the wrong direction, that, uh, that since their, their star, uh, wagon was sort of tied to the firm's star, they had to make sure that that star was, was rising. And uh, a number of times they felt that it, it, it was not being led in the right direction. Very often, that, that being not being led in the right direction was, was actually a lack of leadership. Uh, they complained that, that the, the leaders were, uh, were timid, uh, were, were just afraid to exercise leadership, and indeed uh, the, the firm was becoming a motel for lawyers, uh, not operating as, a, uh, as an effective firm. There are, of course, personality clashes. You saw that all the time with, uh, between leaders and, and, and the firm. And then, of course, we ran into some uh, – we had, had one, of, one of the people I got in a, a lengthy conversation with was a partner with a huge building base um, and, 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 and a huge uh, – uh, being in terms of eight figures um, that, uh, uh, that left the firm because after a number of years of serving on the management committee was not reelected. And he was flat out offended by that. 
so that so that's sort of a left-handed leadership issue at the college. Interesting. I know lawyers lawyers do have a sense of importance because they are providing a lot of value to their clients, and I think that it's important that every partner feels that sense of importance and that value. And I can certainly understand if someone doesn't feel like they're a big deal anymore, that might be enough of a reason for them to want to move to a different firm. Uh, well, it's just, and it's more than ego. In, in, in many cases, it, it, it's a business development uh, action. They, 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 uh, their clients feel that they have more uh, capability, more sway within the firm, can, can grasp greater resources from within the firm if, in fact, they're actively involved in the management. Sure. Now, how can a law firm a chairman or managing partner, someone that's in a leadership role, maybe the head of a large section or a large practice group, what can they actually do to develop their own personal leadership skills and also the leadership skills of those around them? Well, th th those are t uh, two different issues, if you, if, if, if you will. I think the number one way that they can develop the leadership skills of those around them is to, is to create leadership opportunities. Um, you know, there, there, are, there, are, there are always situations, always initiatives, uh, always joint marketing activities, uh, situations where uh, a, a practice group leader or a managing partner can, can place uh, a partner or even an associate in a position in which they both have the opportunity to uh, display their leadership talents, but also to hone them, to, to become accustomed to doing it, to feel more comfortable with, with, with being a leader. So you kind of have to look for and sometimes even uh, create uh, those kind of leadership opportunities. Um, you know, there, the, 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 there's also from from the internal side of what people can do to be, be more more of leaders is effective leaders are really good at selling consensus. Um, consensus has has become sort of a dirty word in the leadership community as as being a situation where leaders are not leading. Indeed, that's virtually what every leader does. Uh, there are very few situations where a leader can say, charge, take that hill, and there are going to be people actually behind him or her following them up the hill. Mm -hmm. uh, in most cases, the, the leader has to first sell on an individual basis, person by person or small group by small group, why this is important for the, both the firm and for the person individually. And so, um, uh, un unfortunately, uh, um, an awful lot of times uh, law firm leaders never quite master that skill. I mean, either go completely to the opposite direction. They say, okay, well, you guys figure out where you want to go, and then I'll get in front of it and go do it. Or uh, they, they, um, they just fail to, uh, uh, to ever build a consensus and, uh, and kind of you know, wander around the desert for 40 years, if you will. Uh, the, the, the one, if I can throw in one more thing, um, there's a huge timidity among leaders in, in probably in all industries, but I see it most in law firms. Um, and it's almost a fear to lead. Um, and and what one of the things I, I say to leaders is, listen, you didn't go to law school to become a practice group leader or a law firm managing partner or an office managing partner. Uh, that's sort of an add-on that you're doing. Um, so, you know, if, 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 what do you lose? If all of a sudden they say, you know, you screwed up, we're, we're not going to uh, re-elect you to the position. Your life will go on. You'll probably make more money because you'll have more time to devote to your practice. Your, your spouse will probably be happier. Uh, your kids will see you more. Uh, so why are you so afraid of, of, of taking a risk? Why do you think that is, Ed? Why are they so afraid? Um, they're unaccustomed to, to doing it, and sometimes they, they, they fear they don't have the – the, the authority that they should, 
Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a great story. I, I was sitting across the desk from a press group leader talking about something, and you know, it's typical. Uh, it happened to be a, a in, fa in fact, a, a, a corporate uh, a practice group, and uh, and while we're talking, he's signing forms, and he's never he's making eye contact with me, and he's just signing the forms and just moving one to the other, and 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 I'm saying, excuse me, I have to ask the question. What are you what are you doing? What are you signing those forms for? He said, oh, they, these are, are, are travel and entertainment uh, um, uh, vouchers for reimbursement, uh, and I'm approving them. And I said, well, shouldn't you read them? He said, well, actually, uh, my job description says I have the authority to approve vouchers. It doesn't say a thing about having authority to not approve them. So I just go ahead and approve them. There's a fear sometimes in practice group leaders and even managing partners uh, that they're kind of like the, 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 the president of the country club or the president of the church council. They somehow uh, uh, sort of rose through the chairs, and there they are, and it's a ceremonial position, and they're really not supposed to do anything. Um, but yet that's never what we hear when we talk to the partners. They, they elect leaders that they want to do the job and to lead. One of the things I learned when I was a naval officer and also at the Naval Academy as a midshipman is that we studied leadership. We learned that leadership is a skill. It's all about serving those that are in your charge to accomplish a mission. Uh, and I see that in corporations, but I don't see a lot of that leadership development within the law firm environment. Why, why do you think that is, Ed? Well, we're seeing more of it. Uh, there's an awful lot, an awful lot of uh, professional development time is being uh, uh, spent on leadership. We have have a, a, a number of, 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 of I have a number of clients who have active MBA program, MBA type programs uh, with major uh, business schools, uh, to which many or in some cases all of their partners are, are, are attending, and will end up with uh, an executive MBA over a period of time. Uh, and and the, 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 it's not to manage the business affairs. It's not to manage the financial affairs. Uh, it's not even the market better. It is to create leaders. Um, so uh, it, 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 I, I think there's there is a there's an emphasis there's there's a concern uh, that we're we're seeing in in, in law firms recognizing that uh, they've gone too long as kind of motels for lawyers. Now, what are some of the styles of leadership that you have seen work best in a law firm environment? Um, I have to tell you, one of the best ones I've seen was really pointed out to me by a friend, David Meister. Um, and, 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 and he talks about it as being the Lieutenant Columbo uh, School of Leadership. If you, if, if, if you remember the TV show, uh, Columbo. Sure. Um, and he, he would, you know, when he interrogated people, he would just sort of wander in and, and kind of slump down and sit in the chair and talk about the weather and, and all sorts of things. And um, Some of the best law firm leaders sort of lead by wandering around. They just sort of show up in your office and they say, how are things going? And, and, and they make conversation. And then they say, gee, is there something I can do to help? And then they go off, and, and all of a sudden you get a, an email from them saying, uh, oh, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, how you could uh, expand your practice into the, uh, this particular industry. And, and here are some people that I know in that industry. Why don't we look at setting up a lunch with those people? So it, it just, it's just this very casual kind of thing of, of, of wandering around, and, and they effectively uh, uh, they earn their cred, if you will, uh, with, with the partner by doing something that is actually positive for them and, and, and the firm at the same time. 
Um, there, there, there's, there's, you know, there, there, one of the, the the leadership styles. You know, I, I've, if I've done one, I've probably done 50 law firm retreats on on, on good to great. And uh, you know, the thing we always hear from Jim Collins' book is is you know deciding who's on the bus and who's not on the bus. Um, but the real deal is who's driving the bus. And uh, you know, one of the one of the the, the, the leadership styles that that seems to be very effective is gathering a group of people and then facilitating them to do well by, you know, to carry the analogy probably too far, by driving the bus well. And that simply means um, being available to provide uh, the people that you're leading with the resources that they need. Um, you know, it, 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 as you just said, having learned at the academy, um, leadership is not about me. It's about the people I'm leading. That's great. So what would be some books then? Let's say a chairman says, I want to I want to grow on my own personal leadership skills for managing partners, someone in a leadership role. What would be a few books that you think would be a good summary of what an effective leader is in a peer environment? Because when they're managing other professionals, such as partners, these are peers. These are contemporaries of theirs where they can't really depend on the authority that they have to incite them to perform or to go in a direction. They have to strike some other chord. What would be some recommendations for books that you – think would be helpful for them? Well, number one recommendation would be David Meister's uh, uh, True Professional. Uh, it's a superb book. Now, little book, I mean, you can read it in one airplane ride, uh, absolutely a, a great read and dead on. Um, I, you know, I, I, I have to put in my shameless plug and, and, and recommend uh, my most recent book, which is Looking Tall by Staying Next to Short People, um, available on Amazon. All of these are available on Amazon. Uh, those are those are two of the, probably the, the the most interesting books. Um, really, any book on leadership, and uh, and including while while it's kind of become a cliche, uh, good to great level five leader is uh, is is a is really does work. The 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 issue of humility is extremely important in leadership, and and uh, the best leaders I've had have been dead on what Jim Collins describes as a level five leader. Um, I, 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 but it's not just books. I think sometimes articles, you know, an awful lot of business books. Basically, you read everything that the, the book is about in the in the first chapter, and then all the rest of it just sort of uh, is is filler to uh, restating the same thing to make the book 200 pages. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, I, I, uh, I'll recommend the the Edge International website, which is the firm that I'm affiliated with. We uh, it's Edge.ai is the, the website. And um, it, it is, uh, uh, we probably have uh, a couple hundred articles on there, many of which deal with leadership. At the same time, I'd, I'd, I'd refer them to my site, which is edweisman.com, E-D-W-E-S-E-M-A-N-N.com, um, in which I've got, I personally have over 100 articles, uh, again, many of which, uh, which deal with leadership. Uh, and then there are some great blog sites. Um, and in fact, the ABA recently published a list of the 100 best law blogs, and some of them are, you know, are, are you know what I had for lunch today kind of things, or just repeating what they read in the Wall Street Journal. But there are some uh, Law 21, um, which which is written uh, by one of my partners, as uh, um, uh, uh, I think, uh, a, a, an incredibly insightful blog. And there there are, are um, indeed. indeed uh, a, a, a large number. What you have to do is kind of just surf the web a little bit, uh, and 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 go through and 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 look and see what's your cup of tea. But uh, part of leadership, 
And part of what people look to leaders for is to have a big picture, to understand what's going on in the legal profession, to uh, the old Wayne Gretzky statement, you know, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck is going to be. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to lead people in that direction, you have to understand where that puck is going to be. So uh, it's, it's more than just talent. Uh, it's more than just skill. There is a lot of, uh, of, of transfer information from between the years to, to other people and demonstration that you have an understanding of, of where the puck's going to be. And I think a lot of that has to do with understanding what your firm is all about, the direction like you mentioned, and even looking at in terms of growing it through the addition of other laterals, who are the laterals that understand leadership, that think the same way, that have a similar sense of what their core values and their personal life purpose is to make sure that you're hiring people that are congruent with what your firm is all about? Well, um, one of the interesting features is, is, is law and medicine are the only professions in which they are, from day one of, of, of school, are internally competitive. That is to say that there's a ranking system. And if you do poorly, it makes me better. Um, and that's you know that's not something you see in business schools. In business schools, people are are taught to work together in teams. In fact, most assignments are done in teams, and usually it's graded as a team. And in in law school, everything's individualistic. So lawyers have very little experience uh, in being led. In, in order in order to to be an effective leader, you have to have some people who are exercising followership. And uh, learning to be a follower for lawyers is sometimes as fascinating a task as learning to be a leader. And that's the first rule of leadership is to learn how to be a good follower. Yeah. <laughs> or get in front of the parade and, you know, uh, look like a leader. <laughs> so let's say someone is a skeptic. They say, oh, all this leadership stuff, it's mumbo-jumbo, it's just a bunch of hogwash. It's, there's, there's no real relevance to that. What would be some success stories that you've seen, maybe even with clients of yours, that have been very intentional very deliberate, very purposeful about growing the leadership skills of the attorneys on their team? Um, I'll give you one, uh, Perkins Cooey. Um, uh, Perkins Cooey, uh, Bob Giles is the managing partner, uh, is, a, is a, uh, a superb, what used to be a regional law firm with middling profits and, and, uh, and kind of slow growth. It was viewed as sort of a sleepy Seattle firm. Um, and they have gone to great extents to create leadership situations. Um, and, and indeed, they're, they're actually doing an MBA program, one of the kinds I talked about, with uh, the Kellogg School at Northwestern. And, um, uh, and, and, and they have, uh, have very carefully fostered, um, uh, uh, created roles for leadership, fostered people who want to be leaders, um, have, have, they look for it in their laterals, uh, they look for it in their, when they do a merger, um, you know, they, they, they don't want people who, who necessarily are throwing their hands in the air and saying, gee, uh, take me on yours. They're, they're looking for firms that, have, uh, uh, that, that have, have leaders amongst them and are leaders not only within their business practices, but are leaders within the profession. That's and, great. Oh, by the way, the result of that is they have a huge growth uh, in both in size and also in profitability. Their, their, their numbers in the AMLA have been among the fastest growing in the last few years. Proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. It seems to work. And, and actually, I'll tell you the truth. You can look at, um, at virtually any very successful firm, um, and, and uh, especially firms that, that, are, that are, have moved themselves forward. Um, uh, you know, uh, if, if you look at DLA, if you look at what Norton Rose is doing now, 
um, or, uh, you know, uh, what K&L Gates is doing, um, or Reed Smith, um, and, and, of course, Latham. Um, you, you, uh, you see uh, a very strong leadership behind that. And I think, you know, I think Latham and Watkins is the best-run firm in America, and I think one of the reasons is I think they have some of the best leaders in America. That's great. Well, Ed, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for imparting your wisdom to us. And tell us again what's your website. If people want to find you, tell us again what your website address is. Sure. It's, it's uh, edweisman.com uh, is my personal uh, uh, website. And the firm website is edge, E-D-G-E, dot A-I, Alpha India, A-I. Um, and uh, the, you know, the, that, that has not only a lot of resources, but it has bios on all the individuals in Edge and, and what our uh, areas especially are, uh, as well as what country. We're, we're, we're the most international of all the firms with offices in, in, in London and, and India and Australia and uh, Canada uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, very soon uh, in China. That's great, Ed. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise in sharing that with all of us today. My pleasure, Scott. Have a great day. You too. And now let's listen to my interview with David Latt, blogger from AboveTheLaw.com. I've got with me on the line one of my favorite bloggers, David Latt, who started AboveTheLaw.com several years ago. David is a Yale Law School graduate, class of 1999. He clerked for a year, was with Wachtell Lipton for a little while, and then was an AUSA underneath Chris Christie. And I found that David's story was quite interesting, so I thought I'd interview David and have him tell us how he got started in blogging, some of the controversial things that he's encountered, and how he was able to launch his current blog, AboveTheLaw.com, and make a, a very large contribution to the legal profession. David, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Scott. So tell us, and I know in hearing your, you tell me your story before, it was a quite interesting ride that you had getting into blogging. How did you initially come to start blogging on legal issues and legal trends? Uh, so I was in the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office at the time working as a federal prosecutor in my home state of New Jersey. And this was back in 2004, uh, back when blogs were not as prevalent as they are today. And almost on a lark, I kind of decided to try my hand at this, mainly as a way of keeping my non-legal writing muscles exercised. And since I knew about and was interested in the federal judiciary, uh, having discussed and focused on judges a lot in law school and having clerked, uh, I decided to start a blog that was focused on them called Underneath Their Robes. And it was all about federal judges, uh, but as the title suggests, it wasn't just a straightforward analysis of legal opinions, it looked at judges more from a personal perspective. I think the subtitle of the blog was News, Gossip, and Colorful Commentary about the Federal Judiciary. What was it that got you interested in that? You know, it's something, I, I think I was really fascinated by judges, partly, I think, because of law school. At Yale in particular, uh, judges are like the rock stars of the school. People are just obsessed with them, a very high percentage of the class clerks. People trade uh, gossip and news about them. And then I clerked on the Ninth Circuit, which is a court full of colorful personalities, and it's a very large and sprawling court. And I also got to see during that time uh, some very uh, interesting figures. So I think that's sort of what prompted this, this interest in the, in the federal judiciary. 
But you couldn't do that using your own name. You had to create a different persona. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, since I was working as a prosecutor at the time and appearing before judges by day, I created a persona who was essentially the flipped version of me. Uh, I called her Article 3 Groupie uh, after Article 3 of the Constitution, which establishes the federal judiciary. And a groupie, as in uh, she was this adoring uh, fan of these legal rock stars, federal judges. And I, I made this character a woman uh, because uh, I'm a man. I uh, was working for the government at the time, so I pretended that she was in private practice at a firm. And I was on the East Coast at the time, uh, working in New Jersey and living in New York. And I gave the Post's West Coast timestamps. So essentially, that's how I flipped the identity. Originally, it was something I just did to cover my tracks, but as time went on, I became more and more into the character. Interesting. And eventually, you got, let's call it, busted, right? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I kind of busted myself. Okay. Uh, well, in a couple of different ways. Uh, I, I didn't know early on about how IP addresses worked, the IP address being that unique four-digit identifier associated with your computing session. And in the early days of the blog, uh, I was using an anonymous Yahoo account and then a Gmail account for my blog correspondence. And of course, I had my personal email in my David Latt capacity, but I didn't realize that emails sent from the same computing session through those two separate emails could essentially be linked up if you opened up the headers on the emails and looked at the IP addresses. A lot of people understand how this works now. I didn't understand in 2004. So in the early days of the blog, I had engaged in some indiscreet emails, I think, with people who knew me in real life, emails from the blog account. And these people, I think, had figured out who I was. They didn't tell me that they knew, but maybe they told a few people who told a few people. And about a year and a half into the site, uh, some of them had figured it out. I started to get emails into the blog account from people who were clearly uh, aware of my identity. And so at that point, uh, I had established a friendship uh, with Jeffrey Tubin, who covers legal affairs for The New Yorker, and he had wanted to write a profile or, or a short article about me for the magazine based on Underneath Their Robes, which had attracted a good following among uh, federal judges and clerks. And at the time that he proposed it initially, I declined, uh, but when I felt that perhaps I was about to be outed, uh, I might as well control the narrative myself. It was sort of a lesson in crisis management. And I called Jeff up, and, and we did the article. That's great. And so that was it. That was kind of a life-changing article for you, because then some other changes followed. Is that yes. right? Right. It did create a lot of controversy at the U.S. Attorney's Office. And uh, I was a little bit concerned that I was, I was going to be fired. I didn't write about any of my own cases or disclose any sure. office confidences. Sure. But there certainly was this very awkward appearance of a, a prosecutor writing a, a fairly sassy blog about judges. Uh, but Chris Christie uh, was, was very supportive, actually, very understanding. And after I had shut down the blog, uh, uh, you know, he let me keep my job and I went back to working as a prosecutor. But I found I missed the creative outlet of the blogging. And so it was at that point that I connected with some folks uh, at Gawker Media, which is a collection of large, uh, some of the biggest websites on the web. And they needed a new uh, writer or editor for their politics blog, which they owned at the time, they've since spun it off, called Wong Ket. And so uh, I thought I would give that a shot. Uh, and I moved down to DC and uh, started blogging for them uh, in early 2006. And then I did that for a couple of months, and I enjoyed the blogging, 
but I missed writing about the law exclusively. Uh, and so that's when I came up with the idea for, um, for Above the Law. That's great. So about five years ago, is that right? Uh, a little over. It'll be uh, six and a half uh, this month or so. So you launched AboveTheLaw.com, and I know that you've written on some very interesting subjects. What do you think are those areas that get the most readership or the most visitors to your blog? I would say it has evolved along with the evolution of the legal profession in recent years. Uh, in the first two years of the site, from 2006 until uh, 2008, uh, what got the most attention was news pertaining to pay raises and bonuses. Right. Those were the boom years of the profession, the tail end of the boom. And we covered, for example, that pay raise to $160,000 for starting associates that rippled out from New York across the country. So that drove our traffic for two years. Uh, and then from 2008 to 2010, what drove our traffic was essentially the flip side of that, the layoffs, the salary freezes and salary cuts, mm -hmm. a lot of turmoil that was going on in the legal profession. And I would say the narrative, the dominant narrative, we cover all of these topics, but the dominant narrative in the past two years, I would say, has shifted even earlier than firm careers to look at law schools and legal education and whether it's still a smart idea given the state of the legal job market to go to law school. Right, right. And what are your future plans for Above the Law? Like over the next two or three years, what are some things that your readers can expect to see? Uh, you know, we're working on a, lot of, uh, on a lot of different things. Right now, we're still focused on building out our career center, which we recently added, which has profiles of law firms and law schools. So we're trying to expand the coverage on that. I would say that has been one of the big initiatives that we started uh, this uh, past year. Uh, we are actually, as I mentioned on the site, looking for a uh, fourth new writer. We have three full-time writers uh, right now, plus about a dozen or so outside contributors. Uh, the three, right, three of us are full-time, but then the dozen outside contributors are practicing lawyers, whether they're in-house, whether they have their own firms, whether they're at large firms. But we are looking for a fourth full-time person, so we're going to be adding uh, some capacity there. And, uh, you know, right now, um, we, uh, we'll see what, uh, what the future holds. I think we're trying, we're, we also are going to be, we also want to be moving more into the event space. And so we are, throughout the year, are going to have events tied to different uh, parts of the calendar uh, where we might have guest speakers or panelists uh, uh, and other, or other such things uh, just to bring together our virtual community uh, in real life. Wow, that's great. That's exciting. Yeah, it should be fun. I, I think we're, it should be, a, hopefully 2013 will be, a, will be a good year. That's great, David. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining me, and thanks for your contributions to the legal profession. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. And thank you, listener, for joining us on our inaugural episode of the Partner Podcast. If you have not yet subscribed to iTunes, you can find us that way to get future podcasts or to visit my website, attorneysearchgroup.com. Click on the link that says podcast and your info is not going to be shared with anybody else. I'm only going to email you when I have an update to the podcast or to my blog. And if you know experts in some aspect of practicing law or marketing or life balance, I'd love to interview them and feature them on the podcast. Please let me know. Thanks for listening and I'll talk with you next time. To learn more about how we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.